0: You're listening to a podcast by Mission Field USA, a church planting initiative of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. For more information and resources, visit lcms.org/churchplanting.
1: Hello and welcome to the next installment of the Mission Field USA podcast. I'm Reverend Dr. Steve Shave, director of church planting. And as always, our co-host is the Reverend Dr. Mark Larson, Manager for Church Planting. Hello, Mark.
0: Hi, Steve, and hello to everyone. We're glad we can be with you again today.
1: Yes, with you in spirit in these times of uh, pandemic, for sure. We have a couple guests with us again today who joined us before to talk about church facilities. Uh, Today, we have the Reverend Mark Frith, who is the Vice President of Ministry Support for LCEF. Hello, Reverend Frith.
2: Good afternoon gentlemen. it's great to be here and to be with uh, your audience.
1: Good to have you again with us and we also have Mr. Casey Carlson who's the Missouri District vice president for the Lutheran Church Extension Fund. Welcome back Casey. Uh, thank you uh, Pastor
3: Shave and Pastor Larson. Um, again it's uh, a pleasure to uh, be with you and again thank you for inviting uh, Lutheran Church Extension Fund uh, back for you know some more conversation. An insight on yet another topic uh, regarding uh, church planting. Um, certainly happy to be back with you. And I think again before we start, um, I would like to just throw out again. We will tend to use the acronym LCF uh, probably quite often through this call. So I just want to again remind your listeners what LCF stands for, and that is the Lutheran Church Extension Fund. Uh, we have been a uh, supporting organization for the LCMS for a better part of 40 years, and uh, just a good opportunity to us for us to say thanks uh, to our over 60,000 investors who have faithfully entrusted their money with LCF. Uh, And I do, in my role, feel honored to provide those resources and help propel ministries forward, uh, whether it's through low-cost loans or engaging my uh, ministry partner, uh, Reverend Frith, who's on this line, and some of our ministry support services as well. So again, uh, great to be back with you, gentlemen.
1: Yeah, so we'll get right to it. So Last time we talked about facilities and how they can be a blessing or a bane. And today we're going to talk about how we're going to fund uh, not only the facilities, but just the mission at large. So today we're going to talk about where will this funding come for the mission of church planting. And we do know, obviously, that God can do measurably more. We know that God will always provide uh, when Abraham was looking for the sacrifice, you know the place was named. You know the Lord provides, and that is true also for church planting. But there still needs to be some planning that can be done. There are different ways that you can go about this, and so today we'll talk about a very important topic. And sometimes that topic can be daunting. And I'll just put it right out there at the very beginning. I know in my own church planting scenario. There was a, always a focus on the budget and wondering where the funding would come from. But for me, I had always told my core group of people, I don't think that the church plant will ever fail because of lack of funding. I think it will all be about the unity and mission. And as long as we keep first things first, uh, we can always be confident that the Lord will provide. But it is something that does need to be discussed. It's something that needs to be planned for. And again, our topic for today will be, where will the funds come from? So let's get started. When it comes to church planning, uh, one way or another, we know that money's going to be involved. Sooner or later, we're going to have to have this conversation about funding. So whether it's congregations, pastors, planters, future planters, uh, I'm going to put this uh, to our LCEF friends. Um, how does LCEF approach the subject in general?
3: Thanks, uh, thanks Pastor, for that question. Uh, and again, it's just, it's great to be back, uh, you know, with your listeners. And uh, first of all, for those that are listening to this podcast, I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you uh, for your faithfulness to the Lord's church and all that you do uh, for us in the church out there where you're serving. You know, the banker in me uh, wants to say kind of rather ghibly, uh, Well, we know, you know, money does not grow on trees. And uh, last time I checked, you know, people aren't standing in line at the narthex of our local churches, you know, just wanting to hand out money uh, because they don't know what to do with it. You know, if if only that were the case, I tell you what, you know, ministry would start to get real, real fun. Uh, So, you know, we have to be smart and prudent with those dollars. And uh, while some people do refer to LCF as the church's bank, uh, even here at LCF, we don't have just a stockpile of people's invested money on hand, you know, just for church planning. But uh, you know, here's the deal, and Pastor, you just kind of alluded to it there. Um, you know, money never really is the issue. Um, you know, not with our congregations, not in mission work, and certainly not with uh, church plants, as, as you uh, so aptly just put. Uh, we know and believe, you know, that the Lord provides and leads His people, His church, and promises to provide everything that we need to do His work in the proclamation of the gospel. We know that the Lord gifts His church with provisions such as His Word. Christ's presence, his Holy Spirit and baptism, the Lord's Supper, you know, all those sacraments that we've grown accustomed to. And we confess in the catechism that our Heavenly Father richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. And all of this he does only out of fatherly, divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness uh, in me. Uh, So we, you know, we need to come to expect that as we go out in ministry as well.
2: Yeah, and I might add, as the church, when we speak about uh, money or any apparent need for uh, dollars, we recognize that money is simply a tool. It's a way to exchange service, support for what the Lord would have us to do. It's just one way that the body of Christ, God's people, are able to join the work of promoting the gospel. And so to pick up on what Casey was saying about money in and of itself, it's not really an issue. The opportunity is in providing a way for others, small group or large group of people to be involved in what the Lord is doing through his people, both locally and globally. But having said that also, we'd love to throw a question back to you, uh, Pastor Shave and Pastor Larson. You both have been a part of a throng of leaders who've been involved in church planting. So as a part of this conversation, we'd like to invite you back into that with us too. What are some of the ways that our church body and local churches have supported the planting of new congregations in your experience?
1: Yeah, I mean, I can speak to the the former days. I mean, you, you were talking about going back 40 years. If you want to go back far enough, you can actually see where whole districts were at one point missions and actually sent missionaries with families out to the Wild West uh, way back when. And there was always, you know, yes. uh, the need for how, how are we going to fund these folks the, all the way back to the pioneer days? Um, More recently, we've had some major national campaigns, obviously, that have helped uh, to have money for already pre-purchasing properties, for funding for the church worker. And it's vital. Uh, It is absolutely vital. We did a LifeWay uh, survey not too long ago, and one of the key things uh, for a healthy start was that the mission planter would be cared for and his family. There are some times where it's a little bit more challenging, where the church planter is bivocational or co-vocational, where they're expected to uh, to have work outside of their ministry, but still have a way to use that also as outreach. Um, But by and large, uh, I think there aren't as many uh, ways that we can kind of stockpile large amounts of money at one time that can be completely set aside for the work of missions as it used to be in the past where you had like maybe three, five years worth of money already kind of stored up for mission. Um, So I think we are getting a little bit more creative in the way uh, that funding takes place. And I think it's important for us again, um, how will we go ahead and plan for that? Mark, did you have anything to add?
0: Well, I I guess I would add, you know, obviously it's changed uh, through the, decades and really more than a century that the LCMS has been planting missions, you could argue that the uh, Saxon immigration was a way to plant churches, uh, and that's probably not really available today. But I, I think when we look through the history, we would also see that it's always been a partnership. Um, I did some research, which was uh, just kind of related to my family, on the church in which my grandmother was baptized when she was just an infant, and that happened to be in Milwaukee and. Um, You know, my impression had always been, you know, churches just kind of planted themselves in those days. Um, You know, uh, churches planted churches, and it was, uh, and it just happened uh, very easily. While it was true that uh, it was during a time of great German immigration, and churches were popping up like uh, uh, mushrooms in Milwaukee, uh, as I was reading the history of that congregation in particular, uh, it was interesting to see how involved the district was already at that point, Uh, even at... You know, around 1900, which was so that was kind of news to me and very interesting to see how that happened. And then, of course, I think a lot of people are pretty familiar with the fact that uh, in the 50s and 60s, 70s, and really into the 80s, uh, districts generally planted congregations by calling a full-time missionary. They were called missionaries at large, Mm -hmm. and um, that certainly has been phased out for other strategies. And uh, sometimes it's kind of uh, spoken against uh, the idea of a missionary at large. But I think we need to keep in mind that in its time, it worked very, very effectively. And a lot of people were reached for Christ and a lot of churches were planted. Uh, Obviously, times changed and the church needs to adopt different strategies. And so uh, there's been a number of them um, uh, planting churches with a child care center. Uh, Open Arms Mm -hmm. has been one. Certainly, there's a much greater emphasis now away from districts taking the leading role to congregations taking a leading role. And in addition, uh, especially probably in the last uh, 10 years, especially, there's been a focus on congregations starting satellite ministries that are basically, uh, in 1800s, we would have called them preaching stations, uh, but now they're called satellites, where Uh, established church as a mother church, begins another worship center, which may or may not be intended to become a separate congregation. I mean, normally they start off, I think, with the intention that they're not going to be a separate congregation, although sometimes that happens. So um, through all of that, you see a a long history of different strategies that have come and gone, and uh, and in a sense, full circle. Um, I recall one of the classes I had at seminary when uh, Dr. Sulflo said that, there were four congregations in St. Louis founded by Walther, and it was one congregation with four worship stations, with four preaching stations. And so I think it's kind of interesting to see how it's um, kind of, like I said, run full circle.
1: Yeah, I think it's very true that whoever the church leader is, they need to have some sort of uh, sense of how they can help with the fundraising. We've even in Mission Field USA as an initiative, uh, work with districts like you mentioned, Mark, for having a missionary at large. Um, and we also have put out quite a few resources that help churches to plant churches and it is kind of a healthy relationship if you're talking about birthing a new church to have a mother and daughter congregation uh, scenario so that they can uh, just like you know a parent give their support. But in any case the the church planter, the mission developer, usually does have to have some involvement. And working either through a network or a district or local congregations to make sure that they have the support they need.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely.
3: And actually, you know, um, the the Churches Playing Churches is a big uh, initiative uh, on the, at the Missouri District. And, uh, and Reverend Bill Geis, as our mission exec, is, is uh, doing a lot of things uh, from that uh, module um, as well. What do you think um, just hearing you guys talk there made me kind of think uh, in regards to, you know, uh, let's say back in the heyday or whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, church planting seemed relatively easy because we were going into, you know, budding communities that were growing. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of, uh, let's say, a good number of people that were like us or were Christians moving into new areas. Um, what do you think um, I'm gonna, I might I'm going to throw another question back at you. Uh, what do you think, how do you think that skewed how we see church plants today and their success? When we look back at those days when those churches, those plants were growing so quickly uh, to nowadays, you know, we have church plants that are really going out and trying to reach those that aren't, you know, trying to reach the immigrant communities, those that maybe don't have a Christian background. Um, do you, th- you know, has there been a negative or a positive uh, effect in, reg- in relation to those new church plants and kind of relating them back to the, the old days?
1: Yeah, what you're kind of referring to over the last few decades, where you had booming suburbs that were having major growth and new development uh, and homes and that sort of thing, that was certainly uh, where there was a lot of success, it was found. And as you're saying, you know, we've seen uh, population shifts, uh, demographic shifts, as you said, with people groups, but also with urbanization and, you know, the more densely populated places where. It's kind of uh, a prime location in terms of where you can find the most people, and yet they are not as uh, welcoming uh, to the church. So it does make it somewhat of a challenge. But I would say even in, where, in my scenario where uh, there was a, a demographic that made a lot of sense, there was no Lutheran presence. Um, it was just kind of busting at the seams with new neighborhoods. Uh, but at the same time, on the other edge of town, there was a lot of, you know, poverty and human care needs. And so I think it was good that we didn't just focus on, well, this, this seems like the, the easy soil, um, you know, but to look at, at the more rough ground as well. And so, yes, I think uh, it's made it more challenging. And I think uh, it's also given us many, many more opportunities, but realizing um, that, that times have changed. And, uh, you know, for us to continue to bring God's mission, it might be a little bit more of a a daunting task. But this is what God has called us to do. Mark, did you have any thoughts?
0: Yeah, um, I don't think there's any question that people are not as receptive to the gospel as they used to be. Uh, But I think it's also easy for us to overestimate, for example, how receptive the German immigrants were when they were first coming. Uh, if I understand my uh, history well enough, they probably weren't uh, coming to the U.S., although they may have had some Lutheran background. They probably weren't dyed in the wool um, uh, Lutherans like we are, like we might expect, but rather they were coming uh, from a church. At least the state church in Germany at that time was probably not known for its uh, confessionalism or, or being scripturally grounded. But the, I think the church found a way to connect to them and, I, and the church worked hard, I believe, to work with them. And I think Lutheran schools, Germans would come and they could send their kids to German schools was a key strategy that we had at that time. And I think we just now need a different strategy to figure out how we're going to connect to our population. And it could be childcare, it could be any number of things, uh, but it's uh, I got to believe that it's out there that the gospel is going to have power and it's going to somehow connect with people today. But yeah, Casey, I, I think it is, it's a different ballgame today. It's I think it's probably more difficult, but we if we talk to uh, our when we get to heaven and talk to our pastor friends from <laughs> the uh, previous decades, yeah, <laughs> um, they they may tell us a different story too. That it just wasn't quite all as easy as they as as we think they had it, perhaps.
1: Well, That's yeah, even the second, point. the second president of the LCMs, uh, Winnekin, was known as kind of the first of urban missionaries, and he talked about the challenges of the city and their disregard for the gospel and just more worried about, you know, gaining monetary gains. And so even even in his day, and you see within the first hundred years, a shift of, uh, yes, there are lots of uh, German Lutherans that might be here, but what about the millions upon millions of unbelievers? And I think that's what we're talking about is that demographic shift of the nuns, how it continues to grow, almost kind of a, a lost generation. Um, you know, of folks that have kind of disconnected from the church. But at the same time, as you're saying, Mark, you know, uh, they're also very active and engaged in making a difference, especially in their inner cities. And they want to see change and they want to see the church uh, showing mercy. And so, you know, it's it's easier to connect to them, uh, you know, with a gospel ministry that also shows what Christ spoke of in terms of loving our neighbor. So, uh, we continue uh, to to do that outreach, and as you said, it's it's been a historic part of the LCMS. Um, just that you know, as always, um, there there will be change that goes along with it.
0: And I think Winniken might say to us, "You mean I don't have to ride on horseback in a blizzard to uh, meet with these new believers?"
1: <laughs> yes, circuit rider. Yeah. Very good. So. With that said, kind of given the context of where we're at today, I'm going to ask our our friends, Reverend Frith and uh, Mr. Carlson, to talk a little bit about the ministry then that the Lutheran Church Extension Fund has with the LCMS. And um, yes, we kind of talked about already, you're providing access for money, and that money is to go towards supporting ministry. And it can be congregation, universities, seminary system, high schools, congregations, church workers. But in light of what we were just talking about, what do you see as the opportunity then for church planning and then also for funding that mission?
3: You know, Pastor Shave, thanks uh, thanks for that. And yeah, you know, we do feel at times that uh, we are well known, you know, at LCF. Uh, and it's probably uh, for certain segments within the LCMS we are, you know, our pastors and educators and certainly our investors are well aware of who LCF is, but uh, you know, when I have the opportunity to get out and visit congregations, um, there's many times I I find out you know that a majority of the worshiping members don't uh, fully know who LCF is, what our mission is, and how we're tied hand in hand with LCMS. And uh, if I might, I might uh, permit a plug for what we call LCF Sundays, um, which obviously have changed and morphed over the last five months. But what yes. these. <laughs> yeah these are great <laughs> opportunities where uh, primarily uh the district vice presidents like myself and my counterparts across uh the 31 other districts uh enjoy to have the opportunity to come out and visit at a congregation you know a lot of times we'll get um uh, an introduction and join worship and get an introduction from the uh from the pastor there and then usually host a coffee hour or maybe a luncheon and allow to uh, allow us to share you know who lcf is in our ministry um so I would encourage uh, anybody out there that's listening, if you uh, don't know what LCF is and wanna learn more about it, please reach out to your you know, to your district and certainly to your district vice president. Um, or if you are an LCF investor, and would love your, your you know, kind of your church to, to learn more. Um, again, I'd, I'd put that out there too, to reach out to your district or go out to lcf.org and find your uh, district vice president. And, and certainly uh, we'd love to come out and visit and kind of share that mission uh, of, of LCEF with uh, with the congregation?
2: You know, LCEF, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, people will ask when I have conversations with people out in the field saying, you know, and we often think about this no matter who we are, hey, what's in your name exactly? What is Lutheran Church Extension Fund, which is a long entangled name, correct? And that's why we uh, bend it down to an acronym called LCEF. Um, but for me, uh, really helping to understand who we are at uh, Lutheran Church Extension Fund. We're people who run in our lane to support the church. And when we say the church, it's largely with our our LCMS entities, our congregations, our schools, Pastor Shaver, as you were saying, our mission organizations, our SOs, et cetera. You know, and every once in a while. So we're 99.9% exclusively working with our church body. And if there's an exception, it's usually because one of our synodical or district uh, entities will say, hey, here's a congregation or a ministry that, you know, we're working with, uh, would you consider helping them out? Um, But the word extension in Lutheran Church Extension Fund to me is, is really a good, helpful, operative word that, you know who we are, we, we come alongside of you all to help extend your ministries. Uh, God has got you. He's called you. He's knit you. He's membered you into who you are. And so through a, a, a large group of, of Christians and Lutherans who've invested themselves, that's so what we do, help support uh, the humans in God's fold to reach others. And so we're here to help Christians invest themselves in the work of the church in another way, and we could call that a stewardship And the kind of investment stewardship lends itself to helping others do something that they can't do on their own, at least for right now, whether that's in lending or in borrowing ministry dollars to help God's people extend the gospel, such as into a church planting uh, opportunity. We're here to help those congregations, schools, RSOs with uh, those guiding statements, right? What does the Lord have you in this place? What's your primary purpose as a congregation or as a mission organization and then, specifically in my role and, and my teams with LCF to help them plan to help their members invest, invest themselves even more deeply into the ministry that God has given them and where they're going. So people might refer to these as even sometimes called local campaigns, right, where you're raising up people and raising dollars for such things. So that's really what I would call our LCF ministry of support for the LCMS.
1: Very good. So with that said, uh, getting more specific. So if a congregation, a pastor calls you guys up, ask you if you can help them with some sort of a church planning project, um, you don't have to go into the specifics because every church planning effort might be a little bit different in their situation. Um, but it could be one of several different scenarios. How does LCEF in general then respond?
3: You know, that's uh, most of the time, uh, Pastor Shave, that's how the process gets started. You know, uh, just in just a quick kind of overview, you know, LCF is divided up into three regions, you know, across the United States, East, Central and West. And I alluded to it earlier, you know, 31 of our LCMS member districts make up the LCF uh, with four of those districts uh, have their own CEFs or church extension funds. Uh, But each of our districts are staffed by a local uh, district vice president like myself, um, and we work uh, and serve at the pleasure of uh, that local LCMs district president. So for myself, I work hand in hand uh, personally with President Hagan and our district exec staff on you know what are the goals and mission of our Missouri district, and then I have a, you know the great opportunity to then walk alongside them and bring the resources and capabilities of LCF to help propel those uh, those uh, goals and plans forward. Um, and every once in a while, we might get a call that comes into our national office, which is located here in St. Louis. Um, and they'll uh, they do a great job of then reconnecting uh, that congregation or that ministry uh, to the local uh, district vice president. Um, and that's really where it gets started. And, and then the next step that we really want to take is to get out there. You know, we want to get out there and, and, and arrange a visit with that ministry, meet the leadership. We really want to gain an understanding of what the need uh is and what their desires are, you know, what is it that they're looking to accomplish? Where do they feel God's moving them? Um and then we want to make sure at that point, you know, then gather, okay, what what's needed here? Um do we need to bring in some other support? Uh do I need to get for me personally, do I need to get Bill Geis involved in, from the mission side of the district? Is this is a new mission plant. Um and kind of help and guide that those conversations uh moving forward uh early on. And really what uh and this goes for whether it's a church plan or a new ministry starter, or even when we go out and visit with an established congregation, that's just looking uh, at planning and, and future expansions, you know, is the first thing we want to find out is that, you know, what is it that you want to do? You know um, what's the, what's the primary goal here and what's driving that decision um, and what's the ministry plan. So in other words, uh, what is it that you believe the Lord's calling you to do here? Uh, and it really needs to start there. Um, is, is really get a good feeling of, of what their plans are, how they feel uh, they're being moved and called in this direction, whether it's just a small group of leaders um, at that point. Um, and then it's obviously going to expand out from there. We're going to want to know where the congregation's in and all this as well. Um, you know, we're going to ask where, what do they have on hand already? Um, a good example of this is I'm working with a congregation now that's uh, starting a building program. You know, they have, Five hundred thousand already sitting there to put towards it, so that's going to shape that initial conversation a whole lot differently as opposed to, hey, we're just getting started in this. Uh, we didn't. We need to know what we need to do next type of thing. So we, you know, we want to kind of know what do you have in hand, who's there for leadership, um, what are the financials um, that are going to help support this ministry endeavor. You know, how stable is your current current ministry? If there's a ministry already there, all that kind of good stuff you know, dive into how their uh, governance is, you know, are they going to need to take this to voters? Um, Is it a council decision, all that kind of good stuff. And really, it becomes vitally important too, is um, a lot of times we can get, uh, a ministry can get uh, sideways, you know, if you have a group of leaders that are pushing something forward, and the congregation isn't involved in it. So we always want to ask that up front, uh, as well, you know, as is uh, the congregation behind this plan, has this been presented to the congregation? Where's everybody at on this? You know, have you informed them? Uh, maybe what decisions have already been made by the congregation? You know, has the congregation voted to move some of these plans forward? Um, and also uh, another thing uh, is what other kind of counsel they may have sought out? You know, are they working with uh, Pastor Shave, you alluded to it earlier? You know, is there a mother congregation here if it's a new ministry start? or have they reached out to some of their uh, sister congregations within their circuit? Um, And that's a great opportunity to look at, there might be other support there, but at the very least, there's going to be prayerful support there, you know, for them to kind of help uh, as you launch into this new uh, ministry going forward. and you know that's you know we really want to drive down to those things, and that's where I have a great opportunity, uh, you know, with with uh, with Pastor Frith to come alongside me in those conversations that I kind of help guide and and those the the congregations as they go forward with those plans.
2: Yeah, these are the kinds of questions that you all, Pastor Shave and Pastor Larson, and other supporting church planting organizations and endeavors. You you have this platform of questions, but we're in this kind of new opportunity and we don't have all of the infrastructure that we used to have. And so these kinds of questions are things that we can come alongside and we're going to make sure that you ask those of yourselves and one another, you know, so we'll ask it. let me just throw a battery of other questions that are, might be, you know, you might assume, but let's ask him anyway. Do you want to first call a church planter before you move into this situation? And again, Pastor Shave, you mentioned that not to get into the very specifics because each planting situation and opportunity will be a little bit different, but you have to ask these questions because you're going to be messaging God's people who you want to support, whether it's locally or whether it's within the circuit or within the district or even further. So you got to ask these questions. Do you want or do you need to acquire property? Are you intending to rent? Are you intending to acquire property later, sooner or later maybe? And do you have a site in mind? And then have you already acquired it or in conversations with a potential, for a potential acquisition? You know, We'd like to, you know, long as we have an opportunity to sit with you guys, sometimes LCF is brought into these conversations rather late, and you're already at that point as an organization that you're ready to make a decision quickly. But if you come to LCF and say, how can you help us fund? Is there a borrowing opportunity? Is there an opportunity to come alongside and help raise people and raise uh, ministry dollars? Uh, if you're coming to us late, we probably are going to help slow the conversation down. Uh, that's just kind of what we see happening. You know, we need to work through our own protocols for assurances that, you know, we want to give to those who have invested themselves as good stewards into this process. Um, and I guess that's what we want to share with uh, your listeners today is the encouragement to bring into conversations everyone and anyone, whether it's your district office, LCEF, or another organization. Bring them in very early into the conversation, not later.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I cannot, I can't stress that enough, uh, uh, Frith. And I think I even shared that when we were talking about uh, facilities. You know, the earlier we can be brought in to the conversation, it just, uh, it helps everything kind of um, uh, down the road. You know, uh, you know, gathering, uh, the best way to think of it is you're gathering all your a- assets very early on and realizing all the help and support that you might have as you head out, um Down this dream of a new ministry, whatever it might be, you know, and the biggest thing is, you know, don't go it alone. We have uh, a church body here that's here to support and lift each other up, um, you know, and let uh, we're happy to come out and help in the early stages of of planning, Um, even if there's not a, you know, there's not a, a lone opportunity there, you know, we're, there's many times we are in conversations for five to ten years with a ministry before it ever turns into, you know, a loan opportunity with LCF. But there's many ways for us to help guide and provide uh, support um, for those ministries as they go out. Uh, you know, whether it's uh, bringing our architects, uh, architectural advisors out, um, and they can provide advice not only on, uh, obviously. Uh, planning a a potential building if you're at that stage, but there also will help with things like that you just don't think of uh, when it comes to zoning and utilities and and all certain uh, types of codes that, let's be honest, um, not many mission planners go out there, (laughs) uh, are trained up, they're trained out to go out and reach people. Uh, They're not trained up to say, okay, if we go here, what do we have to be thinking about from a zoning requirement to do this, that, or the other? Um, And also uh, being in early on, we can help, uh, facilitate uh, real hard, Not. I, mean, I shouldn't say hard, but very good estimates on what some real cost uh, might be as you go into uh, um, these future uh, ministry endeavors.
1: Very good. And that was a topic from a couple sessions ago. We had uh, President Hagen with us talking about planning. And uh, by all means, we, we think it's a good idea to to think through what the scenario looks like, um, what you think the needs will be uh, to bring folks on early. And so it's good to have that kind of partnership between uh, our training resources and having the district involved and also having you guys uh, also be a part of that initial planning process. Um, I think that's going to be vital. Uh, You know, again, it's very biblical that uh, planning is an important part of, uh, you know, God's, God's will will be done um, even despite us, but uh, that you can do it with as few hiccups and have as many resources available as you can. So very good. So last question for you guys then, um, just in terms of, so what What do you all have in terms of uh, funding that's available for planting? Um, you know, how, how are you going to advise congregations and planners uh, to come uh, with a request for working together and possibly even funding?
3: Awesome. Thanks, uh, Pastor, for that question. And, uh, you know, we don't have a a stockpile of money that's just marked for church planning. You know, it's just kind of there for the asking for a new plant. Uh, But what I can tell you is that we do have investors who have invested uh, in LCF because they believe in the mission of the church. They want to help congregations and ministries extend themselves, you know, so that the gospel can be disseminated to the people and uh, that people can know that Christ lived died and rose again so that, that the, uh, you know, the loss can be saved. Jesus' purposes as our savior is to restore all that was lost due to sin and death. You know, we are a people uh, of hope. So, uh, you know, I can say too, that our investors expect, you know, LCF to provide uh, resources and funds to ministries of all kinds. So as I said earlier, we don't have uh, necessarily a fund that's sitting there dedicated, uh, for, um, for planting, we do have a couple, um, uh, we have a couple loan, uh, programs that fit pretty well, um, with, uh, with, uh, new ministries and church plants. Uh, one of those is being our jumpstart loan. Uh, this loan is, um, it provides uh, seed dollars to support new and expanding ministries. So whether it be a, a brand new church plant, or even if it's a, um, a mother congregation that's looking to plant, um, and the greatest part about this loan is that uh, the proceeds from that can help cover uh, a payment for a new staff member. So whether it's, uh, you know, a, uh, bringing in a, uh, a planting pastor for that church plant, it can help offset uh, uh, his wages and things of that nature. And also, you know, uh, Pastor Larson, you mentioned it earlier that, you know, we're seeing a lot of congregations that are uh, starting new ministries tied around in early childhood uh center well this is where a jumpstart loan could help provide some funds for that as well um and it could allow you to bring on an uh uh in the ecc director you know and help offset some of those costs during the early stages as it's getting up and going um another uh, loan program we have is our new start loan um and that provides funds uh for new start congregation so this is really geared towards ministries that are um uh building their first worship facilities um and not only so, a good um, not only for a plant that's maybe looking to build their first building, but even if you have a ministry that's been there for a hundred years, and now they're looking at a new ministry and they're looking to maybe buy property um, where they're looking to maybe do a plant, uh, they would also qualify uh, for this new start loan. And the great, the best part about both those loan programs um, is they're geared towards obviously uh, new ministry start starts, um, so they come with some uh, preferential. Uh, loan terms um, lower interest rates and a little more flexibility um, as they get started and you know I will share a quick uh, a quick story that relates here is actually we have a, uh, a church plant uh, here in Missouri that just utilized um, the new start loan to build their first uh, um, their first worship facility that they started in may um, so it's kind of cool to see those loan programs come into action to give those funds out to uh, to a church that's just a little over five years old. Another cool caveat that I have to share here, especially since we're talking uh, some of what happened in the past, they're actually built it on a former uh, uh, district advance site that was purchased by the district. Uh, I'm afraid to say how many years ago it was, it was purchased, but uh, let's just put it this way. It, it was long thought that the the district was just going to have to, you know, sever ties with this property and get rid of it. So now there's a ministry alive and active on this, on this property, which is just really cool to see. And it, um, it was, it was a great uh, partnership between LCF and the district and that congregation of getting that all put together. It was just, it was very cool. And I'll also share, we do have um, as another resource, um, what we call our kaleidoscope fund. This is a granting, uh arm of uh, lcf that was started about five years ago now it's again it's not geared uh directly towards uh church planting um it uh when it first started it was geared kind of towards new mission um, starts uh schools and church worker health over the past couple years we've kind of narrowed that focus of the Kleidoscope fund so in 2019 um its focus was solely on uh k-8 schools um so we were accepting grant applications for any funding for uh, K-8 schools to our uh, Lutheran body. Um, just felt at the time that our, our schools needed uh, those uh, types of resources. And this year, uh, with COVID-19 hitting, this usually launches in the spring, COVID-19 hit. So we actually shifted some of those resources to help um, uh, in partnership with the LCMS to put some funds into the Amplify the Cross program. Uh, we felt that the need for those funds was for our church workers. So. Um, you know, it just shows the flexibility and uh, how we're uh, able to adapt to those needs uh, that, the, uh, that our uh, congregations and the LCMS, uh, as we feel, are out there. Um, so it's definitely something to keep in mind, though, um, as, uh, as the Kaleidoscope usually rolls out uh, in the spring. Um, and so, you know, uh, stay on top of that with, uh, on our website at lcf.org. Um, you can also reach out to your district vice president at, at the district as well. Uh, and, and pick their brain on, on when it's going to roll out and what it's going to be geared towards uh, for that uh, kind of calendar year. And, and you know, I, I will say that LCF remains committed you know, to supporting the church uh, and the ministries that seek to grow Christ's kingdom. And we can do that in obviously a, a myriad of different ways.
2: And, uh, Casey, if I could jump in there for a second, you know, you rattled off a good number of opportunities that could be out there, but I still come back to this is that it all begins with early communication, building a great plan for this, um, Pastor Larson, you and I have intersected in our ministries over the years, and if there's one thing that you taught me or showed and demonstrated to me, it's you really want to have a rock-solid plan, you know, in, in working towards this, that if you can't communicate a great plan to several different kinds of people to know, indeed, where you're intending to go, have a pretty good idea of your projection of outcomes, how you're where it's humanly important to do, to be able to measure and to understand what people are doing, it comes down to a great plan, Casey, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, If you're going to invite people to say, would you come support us and help invest a portion of what God has given you in gifts and resources, it begins with that plan. And so LCF has a a great plan. scenario of financially minded people who can help you with a financial plan, but that's going to be built on your ministry plan, your staffing plan, any kind of property master plan. If you're moving into a church planning situation where it's going to be a satellite church or a daughter congregation, um, all of those things become important right down to the last part of that. And that's a solid communication plan. And, And it's all about what we call ministry clarity understanding indeed that the Lord is the one inviting you into this um, into this mission and into this work and to be able to actually invite other people with joy and blessing to become a part of this. So I think that's so key. So thank you guys for the opportunity.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's good to hear, you know, there's a lot of flexibility there in terms of whether you're using education or some sort of enterprise to spark the new Word and Sacrament ministry, whether it's helping to support a missionary at large through the district or maybe there's a mother congregation. There's a variety of ways uh, and means uh, to get a new start going. Uh, Kind of the purpose, though, for this conversation in general is that, you know, across denominations, it's been said that only about 7% of churches are actively engaged in birthing a new congregation. And, you know, as you can imagine, if only 7% of married couples who could have children said, we're going to have a child, you know, that would have a devastating effect on our society. And, you know, it's equally important to think about why we need to have new missions and why we need to kind of get past the the unknown, uh, get past some of the obstacles. And that's really why we're having these conversations. So let you know that you know, training is available. We, we can help you with the coaching. There are resources that are out there. There are lots of folks um, with lots of experience and have worked with other uh, congregations and districts who have done this. And so, you know, we're trying to help congregations to think about, you know, whether it's just a new ministry satellite to a different people group, or whether they want to go and start a new congregation and call it a mission developer to do it, uh, whatever it might be, um, you know, we need to, we need to move beyond that 7% and really get the church, especially in these days, uh, actively engaged in creating and forming new congregations. It's just in the DNA of who we are as God's people and a family That is healthy as a family that is going to reproduce. And it's all about making disciples. And there really isn't a more effective way of making disciples than church planting. It's, you know, time and time again, shown itself to be one of the best ways to reach the lost and the least. And so we're so happy to have these conversations uh, especially with our, our friends over at LCEF so that we can help people to get kind of past what it, what are the obstacles and what is this unknown? You know, just to know you're not in this alone. We're, we're all here to help. And there's lots of resources that are available to you. So again, I just really want to thank you guys uh, for joining us today. Um, again, we thank you, uh, Reverend Frith and, uh, Casey Carlson, who's with us also from here in the Missouri District, uh, working with the LCEF. And just thank you for all you do. And uh, thank you for your partnership in the gospel.
3: Absolutely. It's an absolute pleasure and joy to be alongside you.
1: Amen. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks, guys. And thanks to all our listeners. Uh, Make sure you stay tuned as we continue uh, to further God's mission uh, as we make disciples of all nations across the United States.
0: Thanks for listening to the Mission Field USA podcast for church planting. Visit lcms.org slash church planting for other resources and information to share your ideas and to contact us. The Mission Field USA podcast is a production of the Office of National Mission of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in partnership with KFUO Radio. The Lord be with you.